All right, let's open our Bibles tonight to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and we're continuing our series tonight on the basics of biblical body care. I'm not quite sure how many more lessons we have in this series, but we're trying to help you with some advice that comes from the Bible as it pertains to the physical body. And most of the time when we investigate the Word of God, it has to do with spiritual things, and rightfully so. But the God who made our body is the same God who gave us these words and preserved them from the time they were given until now. And surely, surely it would be able to give us some good advice about this physical body. So, so far we've talked about your diet. And I've tried to simplify these lessons. To be honest, I, I, maybe I should reword that. I haven't really simplified it. As I've studied these things out, I've found that it's actually quite simple. It's not that I needed to simplify it, but when it comes to the diet, I think the word moderation kind of covers it. And then we talked about exercise, and I think the word discipline covers that subject very nicely. We talked about stress, and there I, I can just two words, manage it, manage it. Not, not worrying about it, right, but how to properly manage it, and then it doesn't tear the body down. We talked about prayer and fasting, and I think maybe if you want to put one or maybe two words to that stillness and the quietness of setting aside that time for God and the physical benefits of fasting. And I know recently many of you tried that, some of you for the first time, and I heard many good reports from that. By the way, for those of you that are curious, I, I can't remember, I think I mentioned it the night we went over that lesson. The, the Malawian, uh, our, our churches that side, the Malawian churches, they fasted for 21 days straight. And uh, they just finished this past Tuesday. Brother Ashbad wanted me to thank our church for praying for them. I, I feel a little strange hearing him say, thank, thank you for the prayers for us. I think their prayers, right? They've been praying for us. We should be thanking them. Uh, but they, he said that they had a tremendous time of fasting and praying and really pulled them together nicely as a church. Last week we talked about, or last time, I think it was last time, we talked about uh, having a merry heart. And how it does good like a medicine. So we, we looked at singing and shouting or cheering and uh, laughing. And if I could put one word to that, just enjoying, right? Enjoying life. That, that's for those of you that weren't here for that lesson. That's why there was a standing ovation for Botma, right? That wasn't just out of nowhere. I, I asked for a standing ovation the other night. But anyway, you'd have to, you had to be there. That's one of those times, right? Tonight we're going to... We're going to study something that I by no means am good at, but I'm very happy to have studied it, and I'm very curious to keep studying it. Hundreds of times the Bible mentions this topic of rest, rest. So we're going to talk about how to rest and how to sleep and what the Bible has to say about that tonight. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray? Nobody sleep yet. Let's just pray. Amen. <laughs> let's, let's just pray. Father, thank you for uh, what, what a wonderful spirit that's here tonight. Thank you for making your presence known all through this day. For the rain, we, we appreciate it, God. For Brother Demopolis, please keep your hand on him and his family, the work they're doing there. God, would you please teach us something tonight? Lord, every single one of us needs some help, I, I think, with this topic. Lord Jesus, you said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lord, I know you're talking about the soul there, but I believe you can give us rest in every way. Please teach us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hebrews 4, verse number 9. This is just a good jumping off spot. 
It says here, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. I want you to see that God has it planned into your schedule. There is a time for rest. He has planned it into his schedule on your behalf. Now, I hope that you take a page out of God's book and start planning some time in your schedule for rest. When I was a younger man, I, uh, I was an assistant manager at a Burger King. And for that time of life, I was only 17, 18 at the time. To be an assistant manager was not so bad. I was already on salary, making pretty good money. But when my boss said, uh, Mike, we were in Missouri at the time working together. He said, Mike, there's a job opportunity in Texas. I immediately jumped at that because I'm a Texan. So I wanted to go back to Texas. And uh, so we went to this restaurant in Texas. We took it over, my boss and myself. And, and we had to get rid of over half the employees because they were selling drugs from the back door of the Burger King. And everybody in town knew this was the drop-off spot. This is where you got the drugs. So we had to fire over half the crew. Well, <laughs> there weren't very many people left. That, that, we were running on a skeleton crew. So me and my boss, I had never worked at a Burger King before. I'd done other restaurants. I had to learn everything from scratch. And because of the skeleton staff, I had to put in over 100 hours a week almost for about two months straight. I was working at least 17 hours a day every day, seven days a week. There were some days worked 24 straight hours. One, one shift was 36 straight hours. Christina and I were together. We weren't married at the time. We weren't saved at the time. But the only time that we got to see each other is when she came to the restaurant. And even though she wasn't on the clock, she had to step behind the counter and we put her to work because we had no one else to do it. There were times that I had people sitting in the lobby. I was doing interviews because we needed help. And I'm also running the cash register in the front, in the front counter. And I'm running the drive through so I have the headset on. If a customer comes in, I got to go take the order. If I get a ding in the headset, I got to go take that order and deliver the food to the window. And I'm doing the interview. So one young lady, she was quite impressive. I, she had a very good, you know, uh, uh, CV, I guess you'd call it here, application. And, and uh, the interview was going good so far. I had to stop it four different times to go take care of customers. Finally, I ran back out to the, to the lobby and I said, ma'am, would you like this job? She said, yes, I need a job. I said, all right, you, you're hired. Come on, start now. <laughs> and and I, I put her on the register and started training her right then and there. So I know a little bit about spreading yourself too thin. And, and I, I want you to know that I, I started to hate that job. Two months in, and I had worked fast food for, for a, a couple of years already, and I enjoyed it. I'd been managing other restaurants, but after I had to put that much effort into that job, it burned me out, and I hated it so much I quit and never wanted to go back. I said, Pastor, why are you telling me that story? I'm trying to tell you that if you put the pedal to the metal and you never let up, you're going to end up hating whatever you do. You're going to have to learn how to rest. You're going to have to learn how to space that out. Not too long ago, when I had the debate with Yusuf, I did not learn from my Burger King days and I put the pedal to the metal. For two months straight, all I did every day was prepare for that and for the ministry. Everything that I normally do, I kept doing, which keeps me busy. I was going 16 hours a day, seven days a week, doing three things at a time usually. 
So I'm watching debates on YouTube. I'm reading a book about Islam and I'm writing a book on the side, the book with the contradiction answers and stuff. All of that's going on. And most of you know what happened. I ended up bedridden for five weeks, unable to, unable to preach, unable to do anything. I, I, I need to, I say that in the present tense, I'm still learning. I need to learn about rest. I have found the physical consequences of not being able to rest. Learn from my mistakes. You students, especially you younger folks, learn. I messed up at the age of 18 pushing too hard and ended up hating my job. Don't fall into that trap. Learn something about rest. Take your Bible, come to Exodus chapter 31. Now here's the approach most people take to rest. They, they get rest in liquid form. It's called coffee. <laughs> liquid rest. I didn't get enough sleep, but I've got stuff to do, so I'll slam back a few cappuccinos or espressos, and I'm good for the day. Maybe you're a Red Bull person, or you drink the monster drinks, or whatever it is. But in the place of rest, we juice ourselves up and then just push through. And somehow our society has been patting us on the back for that, saying, hey man, well done. Look at how busy you are. Did you know that the only time the word busy shows up in this Bible, it's in a bad way. Only one time in 1 Kings chapter 20, and a prophet is telling a story there about a servant who was given a job he was supposed to watch over a certain prisoner, and the prisoner got away. And in that story, the soldier who failed said, I was busy here and there, and I wasn't watching the guy, and he got away. That's the only time the word busy shows up. And it was because he was too busy here and there doing a bunch of other stuff, instead of concentrating and focusing on the task at hand, he took on too many things. And it caused him to mess up the one responsibility he was to be focused on. That's what the story was all about. Society will give you the thumbs up and say, no, nah, no, nah, just keep pushing. That's what success is all about. Let's see how much we can get done in a short amount of time. When did that become the measure of success? As Christians, isn't the measure of success completing the will of God? Isn't that how we measure success? Did we do this God's way? Let's not try to impress the world. Let's try to do it God's way. I, I found this interesting. I don't know if you care much at all about the Chinese language, but I heard this recently. In the Chinese language, the word for busy is made up of two symbols being put together. Now, you know their language has like 10,000 symbols that go together, and, and, and that's their language. The two symbols they put together for the word busy is the symbol for heart, and the second symbol is for killing. Isn't that interesting? When they want to say that you're busy, they say you're killing your heart. Now the Chinese language isn't inspired scripture, but it is an interesting, it's an interesting human observation. Right? It's an interesting human observation that it's killing your heart. Why don't we rest? One expert put forth these theories on why we don't rest. This expert said it's fear that causes us not to rest. We're afraid of falling behind. We're afraid of letting other people down. We're afraid of not being noticed and praised by our peers because we're not keeping up with them. 
and we're afraid of coming face to face with ourselves. That's pretty good. I must admit I agree with that expert's assessment. I agree with that. The word rest, if you look it up in a dictionary, and it depends on which one you look in, but I found these definitions. The cessation, ceasing, the cessation of motion of action of any kind, mental or physical. Just stopping. Just stop. Pedal off the, or, uh, foot off the pedal. Pedal off the metal, I guess you would say. Another person it, it described it like this is the renewing, the renewing of depleted physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual reserves. Now, if you think about it, anytime you get in the car and drive around, the petrol, uh, you know, dwindles down. You can't just keep going. You've got to stop that car eventually. If you don't stop the car and refill it, it will stop itself. <laughs> it's eventually going to run out of petrol and die. You've got to make pit stops. You've got to pull in every now and then, shut the car off, let it rest, and fill it back up. And the same thing goes for your physical body. That applies spiritually, by the way. It's true spiritually, and it's true physically. In Exodus chapter 31, verse number 17, interesting verse here for many reasons. Exodus 31, verse number 17. Now, God is explaining various things about the Sabbath to the nation of Israel. Please, please, folks, let's get on the same page about the Sabbath. God commanded the nation of Israel in the Old Testament to rest on the seventh day. That was a sign between God and Israel. God has not commanded the church now to keep the Sabbath, okay? Now, please understand that. That was, a, that was a Jewish statute to make that people peculiar, so that the rest of the world would look at them and say, why are you taking this day off? And then they'd be able to say, we're the people of God and we spend that time with him. Now, even though this statute may not be applicable to the church, there is still something we can learn from this, the principle of taking a day off. That is still a good idea. All right, so look at verse 17. About the Sabbath, he says, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. You see who, it, who, who is in this contract? Israel and God. But we can still learn from it. And then he says, here's why I chose this seventh day. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day, what did he do? He what? He rested. All right, we're to be followers of God, yes? Yes? Take a break, man. Even God took a break. Even God took a break. You say, no, no, but I feel fine. I'm nice and strong. I can just keep pushing. I'm pretty sure God felt nice and fine and strong. I'm sure he could have kept creating, but he didn't. He took a day off so he could enjoy his labor. He took a day off and he stood back and he looked at everything he did and said, that's very good. God took a day off. Look at this at the end of the verse. On the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Now that's a very curious statement. And at first glance, you might be tempted to think that that's a mistake of some sort because to be refreshed would indicate that God somehow lost strength and got tired. And God, because he's God, how could he possibly be tired? Now, the word refreshed, it doesn't always mean that you got tired and needed to take a nap. God didn't need a nap. He, he doesn't sleep, nor does he slumber, right? But the word refresh can also mean 
to take a break and cool down. So if you've been working, 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 and you're uh, heated up from exerting yourself, when you stop, you can let everything settle and cool down. It's not that you're tired. It's not that you're losing strength necessarily in God's case. He just wanted to allay or cool down the heat a little bit is all. Now, God uses his creative work as an example for his people. He says, guys, here's what I want you to do. Work hard for six days. Do a good job. Didn't God do a good job? After six days, he said, now that was good. So on the seventh day, on your day off, you should be able to look back at your work week and say, I did the very best I could. I did a good job. I did it with all my heart to the Lord. And now I've earned a break. Now I get to have a day off. Amen. You guys don't agree with the day off? I, I, th I think you should. I think you should. That's, that's not a bad word, is it? A day off? Is, there a, is that a bad word in Afrikaans or something? Okay. Naviak, that's not a bad thing, is it? I, I thought that was okay. Now, let, let me explain the Israeli work week just in case you're wondering about this one day off. In, in, in the nation of Israel, they were expected to work six days, not five, six. Anybody want to tell me how many hours they worked in a day? Anybody know? It's actually in the Bible. Somebody said it. Twelve. They worked twelve hours in the day. Can anybody remember the passage where we get that from? You might remember Jesus gave a parable in Matthew 20 about a master, a Lord, going out to hire laborers and he hired some at the first hour, then the third, the sixth, and then he went out at the 11th hour and those people only had to work one more hour. It was a 12-hour work day, six days a week. Then on that seventh day, they were supposed to just rest. Now, they've earned it by that point. Now, I'm not saying that we have to have 72-hour work weeks. Some of you are getting scared. Like, oh, man, what are we learning tonight? I'm not suggesting that we follow that pattern, but the idea of working hard throughout the week and then taking a break seems to be a very biblical idea. But while you're in Exodus, let's come to chapter 34, would you? Chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34, verse 21. Moses is giving various... Um, statutes and commandments, kind of reviewing things about the law. And the Bible says here, six days, Exodus 34, verse 21, six days thou shalt work, but on the seventh day thou shalt rest. Now watch this next part. In earing time and in harvest thou shalt rest. You know why that's unique? It's the only time in the Bible, the only time God ever told Israel the last part of that verse. Even in the earing time and in harvest, you still have to take a break. That is the most inconvenient time for a farmer to take a break. When it's earing time or harvest time, I, I, my grandpa was a farmer. The way he told me, that, that food's not going to collect itself. We got to get out there and do it now. Doesn't matter what day of the week it is. Doesn't matter what's going on. We've got to go get it now. God said, no, no, your rest is more important than that. Now, I know this sounds very strange, and I can feel the strangeness. No, 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 Brother Mike, that's not how work goes. Hey, my boss hired me. I've got to do all these deadlines. I understand you may not be in complete control of how many hours you put in and how many tasks you take on. I get that. I understand that. And balancing this is incredibly delicate. 
I understand how difficult this might be. And it may not be completely up to you. I get that. But you can make an effort at scheduling some rest into your life. Even though there might be deadlines going on. Even in the face of a deadline. Come to Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5. Exodus 5 and verse 5. Now in Exodus 5, Moses has confronted Pharaoh. Let my people go. In verse 1, down in verse 5, it says, And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. Pharaoh is against rest. He doesn't like the idea of rest. Now, I think this isn't a foreign idea to you. Pharaoh in the Bible, not a good guy. Yes, he's a picture of the Antichrist. He's a picture of the devil. Uh, who wants to be a Pharaoh? Pharaoh is against the idea of rest. Moses says, let the people go. We want to just take a few days to go out in the wilderness and, and worship our God. And Pharaoh's complaint is, ah, you're just trying to get out of work. You're just trying to take a break. And he is against rest. God wants the people to rest, and Pharaoh's against rest. Now, on whose side are you? You more like Pharaoh, you more like God. I'm not, trying to ask, I'm not telling you to be lazy, am I? Right? That's why I started off saying the Jews worked hard six days of the week. But then when it was time to rest, they took that seriously as well. And now, Pharaoh has been whipping them. He's been burdening them. He has been mistreating the, their slaves in Egypt. And he will not let them rest. Now, now, please don't wake up tomorrow and go to your workplace and, and, and say, hello, Mr. Pharaoh. <laughs> don't, don't, don't call your boss Pharaoh, even though you might feel like that. The point I'm trying to get across is you might be treating yourself like Pharaoh. You may be demanding of yourself that you keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing to keep up with everybody else in the world. And you have somehow convinced yourself that if you take a break, you're backslidden. Or that you're not living up to some, some uh, strange standard. God's standard is work hard, but then when it's time to rest, take the break. In this same chapter, look at how this works out. Verse number 9. Pharaoh's still speaking. Verse 9. He says, Let their more work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words. Ah, don't listen to Moses telling you to go take a break and worship God. This business of spending special quiet time with God, don't listen to that. What did Pharaoh say? Here is his mantra, more work. Do you see it? Look at verse 9, do you see it? More work be laid upon. Give them more work, more, more, do more. I can take on another responsibility and another one and I'll do it and another thing and another. Pretty soon the burden is so heavy you can't carry it. You're just doing too much. In this same passage, verse number eight, I, wanna, I want you to see a word here. Verse 8, And the tale of the bricks which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Do you see Pharaoh's complaint? He says these people, these Israelites are just idle. They're just sitting around doing nothing. Now that's Pharaoh's perception. My goodness, he's working them every day of the week without a break. And he says because you've asked for a little time off, 
you're lazy, you're idle. That's Pharaoh's perception. Now here's the, here's the problem, we think like Pharaoh. We think if we take a day off that we're being lazy and we're letting someone down. That's not a godly perception of taking a break. That's a Pharaoh perception. Same thing in verse 17. But he said, this is Pharaoh, ye are idle, ye are idle. Therefore ye say, let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Now, I found this very interesting. You know me by now. I don't spend a lot of time looking at the Greek and the Hebrew, but it can be profitable at times. This was interesting. The, the Hebrew word for idle is rafa. And, and to be idle, that's one way you can translate it. How many of you have heard this verse before? Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Remember that verse? You probably got a coffee cup with that on it somewhere. <laughs> be still and know that I am God. Do you know where the words be still comes from? The Hebrew word rafa. Rafa, he says be still, calm down, slow down, don't do anything, just, just be still. Now when God looks at it, when, when God looks at us working hard and then taking a break, God looks at it and says you're being still so that you can recognize me, so that you can refresh yourself just like God did. You can just cool down before you burn out. That's how God looks at it. You know what Pharaoh, how he looks at it? Same word. He says, you're just being lazy. Do you see the two perceptions of it? If we could look at it differently and look at it through God's eyes and say, hey, listen, you've earned the break. You've worked hard. Now schedule in some time to rest. Take your Bible. Come to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. There's a phrase, while you're finding Mark 6, let me just bring this to your attention. There's a phrase throughout the Old Testament. And it starts all the way back in Deuteronomy and it runs throughout the Old Testament. God hath given thee rest. Now the prophets use that to talk to the nation of Israel that when, he, when God brought them out of Egypt, they were in bondage. Pharaoh was asking too much of them, putting too much on them, more work, more work. And then God delivered them from that bondage. And in order to sum that event up, the prophets would say, God hath given thee rest. What's another way of saying this? He took the pressure off of you. You were in bondage, now he's given you freedom. Bondage to these unfit and unrealistic expectations Somebody asking you to do too much. You've been set free from that. What did the people of Israel do after they left Egypt? Shortly thereafter, they said, okay, let's go back to Egypt. Here's what we do. We work, 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 and work ourselves literally into a bed, sick, having a breakdown of some sort. And then as soon as we get enough strength again, we go right back to Egypt. And say, okay, let me take on all these tasks and all these burdens. Don't go back to Egypt, guys. When God has given you rest, accept the rest. Thank Him for it and enjoy the rest. Let me show this to you from the mouth of Jesus. Mark 6, verse 30. They've been out preaching for a while. And it says in verse 30, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done 
and what they had taught. You know, we still do this nowadays. After we go out witnessing, we meet up again and then we share stories about who we talked to and what we said, right? It's exactly what Jesus did with the apostles. In verse 31, and, and he said unto them, Jesus said to the apostles, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and what? Rest a while. I like how one preacher put it. You need to come apart before you fall apart. <laughs> Amen. Come apart before you come apart. That makes good sense. He says, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place, a nice quiet place. Listen to this. Silence, stillness, solitude. For some of you, those are terrifying words. What? I have to shut everything off and just sit in the quiet? Oh, I can't take it. I can't take it. You know why? Because you've been plugged in so long. <laughs> you think you're dying. And isn't, that, isn't that how the world has trained us, though, at this point? When the power goes off, and with as much rain as we're getting, it might happen tonight. Oh, God. <laughs> power goes off, fans go off, air cons go off. Lights go off. You don't even hear the hum, the sweet hum of a light bulb. That silence is deafening because we're not used to it. it. It messes with our senses because we never do that to ourselves. Jesus said, you need to go find a nice quiet place and just take a break. He didn't tell the apostles, go into the desert and have an all night prayer meeting. He didn't say that, did he? Anything wrong with an all night prayer meeting? No. No, every now and then you should come apart and have one of those too. But he says, you guys have been busy with the ministry for several days now. Go on out to the desert and just take a break. <laughs> Here's how the apostles handled it. Let's look. It says here at the end of verse 31, for there were many coming and going and they had no leisure so much as to eat. They were so busy that they were skipping meals to get the job done. How many of you have been so busy that it's not that you wanted to skip the meal, you would have liked to have eaten, but you just worked straight through it? Whether it's your studying, whether it's your job, moms, there's a whole lot of moms, right? It's not as if the kids, especially at a young age, are very respectful of your schedule. They just keep on going the whole time. And it's difficult to hit the pause button and say, time out, mom needs to eat some lunch. <laughs> Now, Jesus recognized the problem. He said, you guys need to pull apart, get yourself, go down there to the Burger King. <laughs> go to the Sea of Galilee to fish aways and have yourself some fish. <laughs> Verse 32, and they departed into a desert place by ship privately. There you go. It's like, you know, private jet, but <laughs> the biblical version thereof. <laughs> Verse 33, and the people saw them departing and Many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all cities and outwent them and came together unto him. <laughs> they couldn't get away from the business. It fought, their work followed them, literally <laughs> followed them. And you know what story comes next? The, the feeding of the 5,000. <laughs> I mean, it went from preaching to here, you know, a few people here and there to 5,000 men with their families gathering around. I, fi I find this to be true. When we desire to take a break, even then, something pops up. 
Guys, there are some times that it is just unavoidable. Okay, I get that. I'm not trying to put you under conviction as if you're doing some horribly wicked thing because you are staying busy. I'm just trying to remind you and also to put your heart at ease, you're not wrong to take a break. You may not always be able to do it like you plan, but you should plan to do it. Some experts did some uh, surveying about this and and they found that 53% of people never factor rest into their schedule. Never. There's nothing in their schedule for resting at all. 62% of those people said that their workplace does not put any value on rest and even has a negative attitude towards it. So they feel as if if they take a break, even a coffee break, that they're slacking off and doing something wrong and then their coworker might get promoted beyond them just because they took a break. Now again, you, you can't control your boss or your workplace necessarily, but you can control you. You can control your attitude towards it. Here's what we say. As I'm going through this lesson, and even a part of me says it to myself as I prepare the lesson. Yeah, this all sounds good. This is fine. Amen, let's take a break. But man, I'm just too busy. There's no way that I can stop. I have too many important things to do. Pastor, you don't know what I have on my schedule. There's no way that I can take a break. I promise you, you can. I promise you, you can. I'll prove it to you. When the doctors come and say, have a seat, got some bad news for you. We've run the test and I'm so sorry to say, but this disease is serious. And you're not going to be able to go back to work for a while. You're going to have to take some time off. You know what you do? You take time off. All of a sudden, you find time to rest. Now, what if we did not? Now, listen, we can't avoid every disease and sickness. You know that. I know that. But before you break down, before you kill your heart with busyness, what if you were to preemptively take a break? It'll save you at least the doctor bill. (laughs) At least he doesn't have to run the test and say, now you have to rest. But I promise you, there is a way that you can find some time to rest. God did it. He commanded the people of Israel to do it. There's certainly, Jesus told the apostles to do it. In Hebrews 4, there remains a rest to the people of God. Now you just need to take it. You need to take it. Let me give you a few verses I'm going to switch gears just slightly, right? Resting is one thing, where you just stop, slow down, have a moment just to let let the dust settle. Now we're going to talk about sleeping. These two things do go together. How many of you this afternoon took a nap? Wow! Man, well done. Good job preparing for this sermon, amen. (laughs) You feel no conviction right now, do you? You're like, yes, this is good. Me too, amen. I, I took like seven I did because I, I fall asleep and two minutes later I wake up. Oh, wait, no, Sunday afternoon. I don't have anything to do. <laughs> two minutes later I'm back, oh, what do I need to? I don't know, Sunday afternoon. <laughs> so I keep waking up and so forth. I, I, I am no good at sleeping. Now, I don't know if some of this is genetics or if it's my diet. I have tried for the last 20 years everything I know to try to sleep better. So again, I'm not trying to put any false conviction, uh, conviction on you. If you struggle to sleep, it, has, it doesn't mean you're, you're wicked or sinful, okay. But I just want to give, there's all sorts of good, good tips that doctors will give you. 
Uh, you've probably heard them. I have heard them for so many years now. You know, don't, don't have a TV on or a computer screen on a few hours before you're ready to go to bed. Try not to eat too close to the time you're going to sleep. Uh, you know, get, get, position the pillow a certain way. There's all sorts of, you know, have the right temperature in the room, all that stuff. I'm going to try to give you a few things from the Bible. Maybe, maybe a few of these ideas you can apply and get some help. Come to Genesis chapter 2. I'll just give you a handful of verses on sleep. I am not promising you that you go home and put this advice to work, you'll sleep eight hours straight and best rest of your life. I, I don't know that's the case, but these verses can only help. They can't hurt you. Genesis 2.21, here's the first time we read about sleep in the Bible. Genesis 2.21, and it says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And then, of course, here comes Eve. So, the first thing I want to tell you about sleep is pray for a miracle. <laughs> because this is a supernatural act of God. And in my case, it's shocking how many times I've said, God, please, please, you put Adam to sleep, now put me to sleep. I, I promise I've prayed this. I've claimed this verse many times. God, you can do it. This is the first case of anesthetic in, in, the, in the history of mankind. God just said, sleep, when he was gone. Now, I mean, it might, it's got to be weird. You know, go to sleep and wake up the next morning and there's a wife. That's, so so the, be careful how you pray this. God, I need some Genesis 2 sleep. You never know what comes from that. Oh, sorry. All right, let's come to Psalm chapter 13. I'll give you another option for sleep. Psalm chapter 13. All right, so if you can't move the, the hand of God supernaturally through prayer to give you that Adamic sleep, Psalm 13, verse 3, you might try this one. Psalm 13 and 3. David says, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. So option two, you can die. <laughs> and you will get some very lecker rest. Right? <laughs> you will, you will. Uh, okay, so we'll, these first two, I mean, the, the word sleep, there you see it. I don't recommend this one <laughs> necessarily. But Psalm 4, verse 8. Psalm 4, verse 8. Psalm 4, verse 8. All right, now David is going through some tough times. He's been praying and asking God to take care of some stuff. And in verse 8, he's, now he's put all this in the hands of God. He's trusting the Lord. He says in verse 8, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. So the idea I want to get across to you here is creating a peaceful environment. Now for David, this involved taking his problems, his worries, and handing them over to the Lord in prayer. And some of you folks, maybe you lay in bed at night worried about what's going to happen the next day or some situation you have with a coworker, friend, family member. You're going to have to learn to take those things to God. But beyond that, creating a peaceful environment, removing the noise, maybe shutting the TV off or the Netflix or whatever it is, maybe shutting some of that off and just letting the dust settle a little bit, creating 
a peaceful environment, I believe would help. Come to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. Psalm 127 and verse 2. This is a similar idea, just reinforces what we've talked about now. Psalm 127 and verse 2. It says, It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late, or to sit up late rather, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Now the idea here, we've covered this verse when we talked about stress. The idea here is, is not to sit there worried about things that you can't control. You, you consider your options, you make a plan, you do what you can about that plan, and then you just go to sleep. God would rather you get a good night's rest so you can deal with it the next day in an appropriate manner. But there's no point in laying there awake or rising up early worried about it. So handling or managing your stress is another thing you can do that'll help you get some good rest and some good sleep. I look at Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 21. Proverbs 3 and verse 21. Solomon writes here, My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So those are the two things he's wanting us to keep before our eyes. Sound wisdom, discretion. That's using good judgment. Any situation you're presented with, you, you look at it through through the word of God, what would the Lord want me to do about this? And then you make a decision that would please the Lord. All right, that's sound wisdom and discretion. Verse 22, so shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, thy foot shall not stumble. Now what's he getting at? He's not saying you won't have any problems and that other people may not uh, burden you down with stuff. What he's saying is you're not going to be tripping over your own feet. You applied the wisdom that God gave you. You tried to use good judgment according to what the whole, how the Holy Spirit led you, what the Bible has to say about it. And because of that, you're not going to regret the decision you made. You, you handled it as good as you could have. So verse 24, When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. What's his point? You're not going to lay down and go, Oh, man. Now, these decisions I made yesterday and last week, I wonder when they're going to catch up with me. I wonder when I'm going to start reaping what I've sown. Now, this gets into just a sinful lifestyle, right? That's why Paul said, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Well, if you haven't put any bad stuff out there, you're not going to lay there worried about what might be coming to get you. Now, that, that doesn't mean that there are no dangers in the world. I, I realize that thieves come in the night and that problems happen and people get sick. I get that. But you're not going to have to regret some foolish decision you made and be worried about that coming back to haunt you. See, so that'll help you sleep a little better if you walk in wisdom. All right, Ecclesiastes, next book over. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes 2 and verse 23. Ecclesiastes 2 and verse 23. We looked at this this morning in Sunday school, if you were here. 
Uh, Solomon's talking about how frustrated he is with life. And he says, For all his days are sorrows, and his travail grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. Why, this guy is working hard, but he knows somebody else is going to enjoy all the fruit of my labor. I don't get to enjoy it. And therefore, he can't sleep at night. He's, now listen, here's the point. He's piling up riches. He's got stacks and stacks of money. His bank account is astronomical, but it doesn't help him sleep. Riches cannot buy rest. They can buy sleeping pills. <laughs> Say, well, that'll, that'll help me rest. Oh, no, 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 you'll wake up and not feel refreshed. There's a big difference between resting and refreshing. Big difference, right? Real rest, you wake up refreshed. You go to sleep with tension and worries and anxiety. You wake up. You might have gotten some sleep, fair enough, but you're not really getting good, solid rest and refreshing. Look at chapter 5, Ecclesiastes 5, verse 12. Well, let's read verse 11 with it. Why not? While we're here. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 11. When goods increased... Or, um, when goods increase, I'm sorry. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. <laughs> These guys get rich and then they get fat. <laughs> That's what he's getting at. When goods increase, then you just keep piling it on, you get thicker and thicker and thicker. He says, and what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? So the goods increase, they keep piling things on and their garage gets full of junk. Stuff you bought five years ago, thought you would use it, never use it. It's still sitting there just gathering dust. What good is it? You walk past the garage every now and then go, eh, I remember buying that. And that's it. In verse 12, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eateth little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Matter of fact, a lot of times your abundance will keep you from sleeping because you're worried about who's coming to take it from you. <laughs> Amen? The guy that doesn't have anything, he ain't worried about the thief. <laughs> what thief is going to break into his house? Right? The thief just shows up, says, ah, why? And then walks off. <laughs> what, what, what was the point of that? See? But the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Why? He worked hard through the day. So he knows when he knocks off at night, man, he's earned his rest. He doesn't go home and say, now, I sat around lazy there at the, at the job. I only did a halfway job. I really didn't work that hard. And now he's under conviction because he knows he didn't do a good job. And now he feels nervous at night. A man who works hard throughout the day, whatever his job might be, he gets at home and says, now, man, I have pushed it hard all day. I can rest. So one, one last stop. Come to Psalm 104. I'm going to tie this into what you've just seen. Psalm 104 and verse 20. Psalm 104, verse 20. The psalmist here is talking about God and how he created everything. And in verse 20, he says, Thou makest darkness, and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. Now, watch, watch carefully what you learn here. The creeps come out at night. The animals come out. They creep everywhere. 
the creeps come out at night. Verse 20, <laughs> yeah, <you're>, yeah. <laughs> Verse 21, the young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat from God. The young lions. You know what I found? A lot, a lot of young folk, they want to go out at night. That's the time that God gave the animals to go find something to kill. The young lions go out and find something to kill in the middle of the night. That's their time to prowl. But all of a sudden, in our society, we, we, don't, we don't work very hard at, at the job or in school so that we can live it up in the night. We've got to save some energy for the night. We've got a night life. That's what they call it. Got a night life. So some people, they work eight to ten hours in the day, or at least they're at work for eight to ten hours. And then the real exertion happens when they get home and all their hobbies, friends, and nightlife kicks in. And their engine is revving the whole day all the way to 10, 11 at night because it's work, 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 and then fun, 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 fun. And there is no cooling off period. They just keep pressing all the way through the night. Verse 22, the sun ariseth, they gather themselves together and lay them down in their dens. The animals know when it's time to knock off. Sun's up, time for us to go to bed. And they just conk out. But we can't figure that out. What do we do? We invent light bulbs so we can stay up all night. <laughs> Amen. God, God made this amazing light bulb on, on day four. Remember it? It's called the sun. <laughs> and when it's nighttime, the moon comes out, the light gets a little dimmer so that you can calm down, so that you can't do as much. Amen. I'm not suggesting we go back to the Stone Age and shut off all the lights, but there's a lesson to be learned in that. There's a reason God set it up like that. Verse 23, man goeth forth unto his work, went in the daytime. And to his labor until the what? Till the evening. Then what should he do? Then he knocks off. What do we do? Evening comes, now it's the time to go out and live it up. That's the time you should be cooling off. That's the time you should be re resting, relaxing. Spend some time chatting with your family, with your friends, and just calm down, cool down a little bit. Schedule that it you don't have to fill your schedule front to back all day, seven days a week with stuff. You're killing your heart. You're just too busy. Get some rest. Get some rest. God scheduled it. Now it's your turn to schedule it. Let's all stand, if you would, please. Let's all stand. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for a moment. Caleb, would you turn something on? Just for, will not take long to pray. Just give you a few minutes to think about this. I'm all for working hard. If there's any vice that I really despise, it's laziness. Boy, that just gets on my nerves. And if I'm going to be guilty of anything, I'd rather be guilty of doing too much than too little. But you need to make an effort at balancing that. We need to make an effort at it. You are not sinning when you take a break.
Jesus said, come apart and rest a while. Have you ever obeyed that command? God took a break. He worked hard for six days and then took a day to cool off and enjoy his labor. I'm sure that we have a lazy person or two in our church, but for, for the most part, you folks work hard. You work really hard. My, my, by my estimation, you've earned some rest. Please allow yourself to do that. God gave His people rest. Quit running back to Egypt. Quit trying to live up to Pharaoh's standards. Be still. Get to know God a little better. Embrace the silence. The stillness. Breathe. Father, I want to thank you for how you've spoken to my heart, preparing for this lesson, and even as I've said these things tonight, I'm not very good at this stuff, Lord. But I want to learn. I want to live this life the way you intended it to be lived. Teach us how to rest. God, teach us how to sleep. Show us what we need to change in our lives so that the quality of our lives can improve. Lord, we want to take your Bible and apply it to every part of our life. It's not about piling up the riches. Lord, we want to enjoy the life you've given us. We can't do that if we're burning ourselves out. Help us, God. Please help us. Father, I know a lot of these folks in this room tonight, they work so, so hard. God, please convince them that it's okay to rest. Father, thank you for speaking to us throughout this day, for meeting with us today. And Lord, throughout this week, would you please spend more time with us Lord, allow us this week to spend some quality time with you in the stillness, in the cool of the day. Thank you so much, Father, for your advice and your help. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.